0: Father, as we come to your word this morning, we come and see this reality that's challenging for us to hear. We come to your word and it exposes us for who we truly are. And so, Father, as we look at verses 5 through 10 this morning, and it, it serves as this mirror to see who we are apart from your son, that we would first and foremost see who we are apart from your son and see our need for your son and then we'd flee to him and find ourselves being hidden in him for he is the only hope to escape the wrath that will one day come and he is our only hope to become who we are meant to be so father may we see this wonderful news this morning that you have this promise that you make to us that all who are hidden in your son, who are united to your son are becoming who we we're meant to be and that is conformed to the image of your son. And that's so good. That's such good news for us this morning. May we see it as good news and may we as a people, as a community leave this place this morning and pursue to look more like Jesus. We ask this in his name, amen. Now for us to fully understand the the depth and the scope of what Paul is talking about in our verses this morning, we have to do some continued work on verses one through four. Because if not, many of us, this is what's going to happen. For many of us, we're going to prone, we're going to be prone to leave this place this morning with this list of things that we're told not to do. And we're gonna go out this week in our own power and seek to put those things to death and have nothing to do with them anymore. But we're gonna come back next week very frustrated and in despair. Why? Well, if we don't understand what's going on in verses one through four, we're not gonna understand the solution and power that we actually have to put those things to death. So in verses five through 10, Paul lays out this earthly uh, list of evil desires that we are told that we are put to death, that we are to have nothing to do with anymore. But as I just mentioned, if we don't fully understand what Paul lays out and communicates the reality of verses one through four, then we will not understand the solution and the power that we actually have to put these things to death. So, To begin with this morning, it is of the utmost importance for us to understand what humanity's greatest problem is and what is humanity's greatest problem, that we are not who we should be. So in other words, every single one of us in this room this morning have fallen short of being who we were created to be. So we all have fallen short of being the person, being the people that God created us to be. And so as human beings, if we have any self-awareness at all, we know this to be true. But there's another problem. Many times, the problem is, as we see our brokenness. We see that we need to kind of fix ourselves. And the problem is, is that we try to come up and create different solutions, different ways to actually fix the brokenness that we see within ourselves. And these solutions come in all different shapes and sizes, all different forms. But at the end of the day, they all have the same thing in common, which is behavior modification. And behavior modification goes like this. We know that we are not the person that we want to be, that we, not, we should not live certain kinds of lives that we live, that we should be certain kinds of people, different people. And so we believe that the solution is to simply try and change our behavior. Now, listen, this is good and it's right. In that, we, are, should, we should change our behavior to become better human beings. But the solution is not simply changing our behavior. Why? Because the problem is so much deeper. But if you look at all major religions, all world religions, and even New Age uh, modern self-help techniques the solution to humanity's fallen condition is don't do this and do that or stop doing this and start doing that. Even if you look at today's most popular way to live, which is to find the true authentic you, right? There is this true authentic self that lies deep within you and the way to truly live is to simply be who you are. Be, be, find that true self and become it. Now, There is still a code which says, in order to be who you want to be, you got to do this and don't do that. Even if that code is determined by the individual, right? There is still this code which says, in order to become who you want to be, then you must follow this rule. You got to must follow this code. You got to do this and you got to do that. Guys, that's why if you watch, anyone watch the New Year celebration on TV? Anyone? Maybe it was just me. Maybe I'm the only one that stayed up. If you watched the New Year's celebration on TV, let me just tell you kind of what happened. There was person after person after person that talked about their hopes and dreams for the coming year of changing this and doing that to become a better human being. But it's not a very good solution, is it? Why? Well, you know, if you made resolutions this year, we're four four weeks into the New Year's, and chances are you've probably failed right? You've broken those resolutions and you find yourself in the same old story. You're not who you should be. And you're not who you want to become. And this is, this is the same with all like world religions today. World religions tell us that you got to do this and do that. Now listen, you may be uh, in this place this morning and you, and you may not consider yourself a follower of Jesus. And one of those reasons that you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus or you don't uh, consider yourself a Christian is that you think that at the end of the day, Christianity is the same as all other religions. That Christianity is simply this religion that's based on this code and this rules of do's and don'ts to help you become a better human being. And to be honest, I can totally understand why you think this. Because haven't we all met Christians or we all have come in contact with churches who seem to believe and teach that Christianity is all about do's and don'ts? And maybe you found yourself this morning as you heard the Bible passage read, you're like, oh, here we go again, right? It's just a list of things telling us what not to do and what to do to stop and start to become a better human being. Or maybe... Uh, you're here this morning and you don't consider yourself a Christian, but maybe one time you grew up in the church, but you left as soon as you got out of your parents' house because you came to realize that Christianity doesn't offer you much other than tell you what to do and not do. And if that's all Christianity is, I can totally understand why you don't want it. Because who wants a religion that is solely based on promising the life that you want and you can never get because two reasons. One, you don't like the rules or you don't like the, 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 the life that Christianity promises you or you've actually tried to live up to these commandments and these rules and these, these do's and don'ts and you, found yourself, and you found yourself that you cannot do it. So listen guys, listen very carefully. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, no matter how, many, how much desire we have to be changed by a list of rules or codes or do's and don'ts, no matter what we try to do, no, no, no matter how big the list is or how great the list is, there is no rules, there's no list of codes, there's no do's and don'ts that will actually change us and help us to become who we are meant to be. Why? Because the problem is so much deeper than changing our behavior. The problem is so much greater than the coming up with different resolutions and reform and behavior modification because the problem lies within us. The problem lies within what makes you you and what makes me me. And so listen very carefully. The solution to humanity's greatest problem isn't reform. It's not resolution. It's not behavior modification. Listen, the solution to our problem, what we need most, guys, is a brand new nature. What we need is, is a brand new life. And that's exactly what Christianity offers to us. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ gives to us. Not a list of rules, not behavior modification, not reform, but it gives us a new life, the very life of Jesus Christ himself. That's what Paul says in verse three. He says, if you are a Christian, you have died, And Christ is now your life. You are hidden in Him. He is who you are now. Guys, I cannot stress how important it is for us to see and understand that at the heart of the gospel, the heart of Christianity starts and ends with this truth that you have died and Christ is now your life. It's everything, you have a new nature. You have a new identity, as we talked about last week. But you have the very nature of Christ living and dwelling within you through the Holy Spirit. And now that Christ is your life, what should our response be? Verse five: We put to death what is earthly within us. We we put to death our old desires. We we, we put away our old practices. We put away our old living. Why? Because it's not who we are anymore. We have died and Christ is now our life. And so what Paul is saying is, be who you are now. Who are you? You are in Christ. Now, what does this mean? It means this. It means that we actually can be and become who we were meant to be. Because think about this question, guys. What is a human being supposed to look like? Now, I don't mean in the physical sense, all right? What I mean is, what, it, what is the essence of truly being human? In other words, like what should the lives of all human beings look like? When well, you look at Jesus, and you will see the perfect image of humanity. In the person of Jesus Christ, we see who we ought to be. In Jesus, we see this perfectly obedient, compassionate human being, the only human being that has ever loved in the right order. Loving God above all things and loving neighbor as his self. He perfectly preferred his father's will always. And he always preferred to put the interests of others before his own. So unlike us, he always sought to, to to treasure and love God and put his neighbor, the interest of his neighbor, before his own. And if you look at Jesus, you see this perfect image of one who loved perfectly. He loved the unlovable. He touched the untouchable. His love was so pure and so deep and so sacrificial that he even laid his life down for his own enemies. You look at Jesus and you see in him was only truth. Never once did any lies spew from his mouth. Never did anger come against the undeserving. You look at Jesus and all you see is patience and kindness flowing from his being. You look at Jesus and he has always, always desired the good of others, always And one look at Jesus and you see this joy shining as bright as the sun because he loved the right thing in the right order. Guys, you look at Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, and it shows us what it really means to be human. It shows us who we were meant to be. But one look at Jesus also shows us that we have fallen short of that image, doesn't it? In fact, we see our image in verses 5 through 10. And what do we see? we see ourselves craving sexual immorality. The word sexual immorality is the word we get for pornography. So we see ourselves in this passage, don't we? We see ourselves turning and making human beings into these objects just to satisfy our own lustful cravings. We see ourselves giving in to the... the passions and the impurity and the evil desires that flow from the essence of who we are. It flows out of our heart. It flows inside of us, outside of us. We see that we're not content with what we have. And so what do we do? We covet, we take, we destroy, we murder to get what we want. And we find ourselves within ourselves, this anger and this, this wrath that boils out of us and comes against even those that we are supposed to love the most. We're indifferent to the injustices in the world around us. We tear each other down with our tongues for our own benefit. We lie to get what we want. We exclude and hate those who don't look like us. Who may have a different color of skin. Guys, the reality is this, we, we human beings, we have to look at ourselves, not your neighbor, we have to look at ourselves. We are the ones who destroy the hopes and dreams of human flourishing, it's us. Because all of this flows out of the essence of who we are. And no amount of behavior modification can change this. Not even those WWJD bracelets are sufficient. Why? Because Jesus did not come just to give us an example to follow. Listen very carefully. Jesus came to give us the hope of the gospel. And what is the hope of the gospel? The hope of the gospel is that God offers to kill this fallen, wicked, evil image of who we are and make us into what it means to be truly human. He offers to make us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, all because the son of man, the son of God, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven and he conquered death, not just to give us an example to follow, but he came and rose again so that the image of God can be restored in you and me and our kids and the people of this city, amen? That's the hope of the gospel. He came, he conquered death, he is alive to break the power of sin within us. Only the person of Jesus Christ is the solution, the power that we have to become who we are meant to be. And if you are in Christ by faith, then the spirit of Christ lives and dwells within you and he is conforming you and you are becoming who you are always meant to be and that is to reflect the image of Jesus. That's the hope that we have. Okay, you see that? And it's with that hope that we now actually can go and put sin to death. Because we have the solution and power to become who we were meant to be, and that is to reflect the image of Jesus because he lives and dwells within us. Does that make sense? We all on the same page? We good? Okay, now let's move on. How do we put sin to death? What does that actually look like? What is it actually to put sin to death and to have uh, to nothing to do with these earthly desires and passions anymore. Well, the first thing that we need to do, and I know this is gonna be kind of hard and kind of deep and kind of heavy for us as we move forward in this, but we've got to. We gotta take sin seriously, okay? We have to take sin seriously. It's a, it's a, the, the phrase put to death is a violent metaphor, isn't it? It's violent because as one church father, John Owen said, you better be killing sin. If not, what's gonna happen? It's gonna be killing you. We know this to be true, don't we? We know it to be true because some of us are tasting the reality of it this morning. Or we've tasted the reality of our past, in the past. But let me ask you a question. Does anything good come from giving in to these earthly passions and desires? No. What do they bring? Pain? Destruction? And continued brokenness. I mean, what does looking at perverted images on a a computer screen or your phone or or whatever? What does it bring into your life? Anything good? No. Pain. Distrust. And continued broken relationships. What is anger? What is wrath? What is greed? What is malice? what does covetousness? Bring you anything good? No, it brings pain and, 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 and chaos and destruction and this continual cycle of, of broken relationship. And this grieves God and it should grieve us too. Why? Because sin always destroys, guys. Always. It destroys the lives of those whom God deeply loves and this grieves the very heart of God and rightly so, it produces this anger within the very heart of God towards sin. Verse six, what does Paul say? On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Guys, this should wake us up this morning to take sin seriously. For I, I, I don't. There's, there's no way around this, right? There's no other way for me to, to try to, 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 to excuse this or, or say, you know what, God's. Uh, God's just happy with all of us and he's going to just kind of sweep uh, the injustices done in the world uh, under the rug and kind of forget about it. The wrath of God is coming. Now, many of us here in this room this morning may not believe that to be true. There was a survey done that said 97% of people believe that God is forgiving and loving, but only 19% of people believe that God will one day come and punish those who do wrong. Now think about this just for a moment. Would you agree that any human being who does not get angry at the injustices that are done in the world, cruelty done to others, corruption—that they are not a good person? In other words, anyone who is indifferent to hatred, to the injustices in the world, to the wrongs that have been done—is not good. And if God is perfectly holy and he's perfectly good, then he cannot and he will not tolerate the injustices and wrongs that we have done. And therefore, the wrath of God is coming one day to make all the wrongs that we have done right. We all will be held accountable for the things that we have done, these earthly things, these evil things. And it's right and it's good for God to come and make all those wrongs right. And the only hope that we have, guys, the only safe place to be, listen very carefully, the only safe place to be when one day the wrath of God will come against sin, the only safe place to be is hidden in Christ. Why? Because if you're hidden in Christ, Christ is the one who bore the wrath of God for your sin and your place. Jesus Christ is the only one who satisfies the wrath of God, the justice of God, by absorbing the wrath of God for your sin so you don't have to. You're only safe if by faith you receive the person of Christ, and by faith you're united to the person of Christ, and you are hidden in him. Guys, does this not show us how serious God takes sin? And does it not show us how serious that we should take sin to put it to death? Flee from it. Put it away. Why? Because it was our sin, our sexual immorality, our covetousness, our our, our evil desires, anger, wrath, all the things that flow out of us that actually put Christ on the cross. And so the next time you find these earthly desires and passions flowing out of side of you and you wanting yourself to give into them, set your minds on Christ. See him hanging on the cross. See him loving you and giving himself for you. And flee from it. Put that sin to death because it put Christ on the cross. Do not cheapen the grace that God has given to you. Do not cheapen the grace that Christ has purchased for you to save you from the wrath. Put it aside. Put it to death or it will kill you. Take sin seriously. Walk by the Spirit. For walking by the Spirit is the way in which we too are to put sin to death. So we're going to move into some some good news here. You ready? In Galatians 5, verse 16, Paul says this. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. He says, I, he said, walk by the Spirit and therefore... You will not satisfy or you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's another way of saying these earthly things within you in Colossians 3. So he says, walk by the Spirit. The Spirit of Christ lives and dwells within you. So walk by him. And as a result of walking by him, you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. And he goes on to say, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing things that you don't want to do. Now listen very carefully. One way to know if the spirit of Christ truly lives within you by faith is that you are experiencing a battle within yourself. So there is this war Going on inside of you, if the Spirit of Christ truly lives within you, there is this battle between the flesh and the Spirit. And so, if you find yourself this morning truly desiring to be more like Jesus and put those sinful desires to death, then, then rejoice this morning. It's good news because it tells you that the Spirit of Christ lives with dwell and dwells within you. And if the Spirit of Christ lives and dwells within you, you belong to Christ. And that's, that's, that's what you want, is to belong to Him. The Spirit does not just come, though, and tell you to do this and don't do that. He comes and He creates new desires within you to actually want to delight in God and want to live a life that's pleasing to him. And so you have new desires to, to want to please Christ and live a life that, 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 that uh, reflects Christ. It's because the spirit of Jesus lives and dwells within you, giving you new desires to want to be like him. So let me give you an illustration of this. I came across this story of a man who was sentenced to prison because he stole something. And while he was in prison, he came to faith in Jesus and became a new creation, He died and Christ was now his life, Christ living and dwelling within him. But upon his release, he knew this temptation that he was going to have to go back to his old way of living, his old life. And so the first thing that he wanted to do when he got out of prison was he wanted to go and worship. So he found this old church building. He sat down in the back and when he sat down in the back, he started kind of looking around the room and he noticed this plaque of the Ten Commandments. And all of a sudden, he felt condemnation flood his soul because he saw the words, you shall not steal. And he thought to himself, man, this is the last thing I need, right? Like, I, I know the commandment not to steal, but I also know my weaknesses. I know my failures. I know my struggle. I know that I have broken that commandment. But as the service went on, he kept looking at that. That plaque and he kept looking at those words and it was all of a sudden those words kind of became new to him and they started taking on a whole new meaning because he started to notice one word shall instead of not and it seemed as though God was giving him this promise and saying to him you shall not steal It was was this promise that God was making to this man. He's saying to him, you are a new creation in Christ and the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within you. And because the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within you, he will lead you into a life in which you shall no longer steal. You will have no more desire for that. So the commandment, no longer condemn this man. Why? Because Christ was condemned on his behalf. But... Christ living and dwelling within him actually gave him the power to no longer be that old man and become that new man. And the promise is true for you and me if we are in Christ. Listen, don't be discouraged. Don't be frustrated this morning. If you feel like you're losing the battle, anyone feel like you're discouraged or you're losing the battle of fight towards sin? Anyone? Just me? Don't be discouraged don't be frustrated. Instead, take great hope in this, guys, that if the Spirit of Christ lives and dwells within you, you will have victory. Why? Because He is greater than your flesh. And He will give you freedom. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So what this means for us, guys, right now, this moment if the Spirit of Christ lives and dwells within you, you have the freedom and the power to say no and put to death the sin that lies within you. You have the freedom to say no and to put on the new self and put off the old self. Why? Because you have the power of the Spirit living and dwelling within you and he frees you from the power of sin and he helps help you give you victory because sin no longer has any reign over you. Is that good news? Come on. Is that good news? We have the power to become who we we're meant to be, because the Spirit of Christ lives and dwells within us. It's awesome if you want to become like him. It's good news. Now, what does this look like? Romans 8:5: "For those who live according to the flesh, do what? They set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the spirit do what? And set their minds on the things of the spirit. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Sounds a lot like Colossians three. Set your minds on things of the above. Set your minds on Christ, because what are the things of the spirit? The things of the spirit are Jesus Christ. So, to walk by the spirit, to live according to the spirit, is to set our minds on Christ. And so, what this looks like. It's like one uh, 19th century pastor told one of his uh, his people, struggling believer, this is what he said. Listen very carefully. He says, do not take much of your time studying your own heart, but instead studying Christ's heart. Take one look at yourself and ten looks at Jesus. Because it's who you are now. He is who you are. You look at your own heart, and what are you going to find? Man, you're going to find these earthly desires, right? You're going to find failure. You're going to find brokenness. You're going to find weakness. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus and who he is for you, then you have the power that you need. You have the forgiveness that you need to continue to walk in it. You have, you have his righteousness. You have all these things now as a result of being in Jesus. So don't look much at yourself. Don't be consumed with yourself. Look at Jesus. You're hidden in him. He's who you are. He's your life. He defines you. So, you want to put to death your old life? You want freedom and power to look more like Jesus? Are you struggling to put some sin to death? Then we walk by the Spirit by setting our minds on who Jesus is. We study Him. And as a result of studying Him, we see His life. We see the way in which He loved. We see the way in which he loved his enemies. And what does that do? What does that produce in us? It helps us to walk in this newness of life to actually love our enemies. We see the way in which he served, the way in which he never grumbled and complained. We see the way in which he laid his life down. We see the way in which he treasured God. We see the way in which he perfectly loved and and put the interests of others before their own. And as a result of seeing more of Jesus the Holy Spirit will continue to form us and make us into that image. Now listen, this may not be sufficient in your mind. You may be like, wow, this is still you know, high up in the sky. This isn't practical enough for me. Well, that's all I got for you. Because this isn't instant gratification, even though we love instant gratification, right? We live in an instant gratification culture. We want it now. We want freedom now. Well, you've got freedom. You've got it because the Spirit of Christ lives within you. But it's a process, guys, It is a process. It is your whole life. Listen very carefully. It is your whole life. One moment after another moment after another moment. Taking one look at yourself and ten looks at Jesus because he is who you are now. It's one moment after another moment after another moment. Being in dependency upon the Holy Spirit for grace to change you and make you into the image of Jesus. And it will always be a battle in this life. Always. We should never let our guards down. But here's the promise. You want a promise? You want a wonderful promise? Here's the promise. One day soon, my friends, Christ is going to return. And this promise is secure. That when he comes again, when he appears, you will appear and you'll be like him. So what this means is, is you'll finally be who the Holy Spirit is making you to be. Okay? Okay? You are becoming. It won't be perfect in this life. You will not reach perfection. You will not reach perfect holiness in this life. But the Holy Spirit, one moment after another moment of all of your life is conforming you more and more and more into the image of Jesus. You are becoming more and more like him. And one day when he returns, we're gonna be like him. And we will finally receive this life and become these people who perfectly love the Father above all things. There will be no more struggle for that. And we're going to perfectly love each other. Man, can you imagine that day? I mean, that's what the garden was like. We're going to be that. We're going to be this this new humanity, this new group of people who love and treasure God above all things and we love each other perfectly. That day's coming. So until then, let's be who we are let 's be who we're becoming let 's live more like Jesus, keeping our eyes on him, studying him and less of ourselves amen all right let 's pray Father, we are so grateful and thankful for this hope that we have in the gospel that we are becoming who we are meant to be that we're becoming more and more like Jesus in his reflection and the way in which he loved you and the way in which he loved humanity. We're thankful that you have given us a new nature. You've given us a new life, that the spirit of Christ lives and dwells within us. And we have the hope of becoming who we who were meant to be and who we want to be. A people who, who, who love you above all things and a people who, who, who put the interests of others before our own. A, a people who, who use our tongues to, to build up instead of tear down who use the tongues to speak truth instead of lies. Father, help us to be this kind of people, and the hope that we have is that we will become this people because you live and dwell within us, and the promise is you'll make us into this people. So with this great hope, we ask that you would do great things among us and continue to make us into this people that reflect you to each other and to the people of this city. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.